0: Log Talk Radio.
1: the Roundtable. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody. Uh, before I get to my guests, I'd like to remind everyone to like us on Facebook at Frights of the the Roundtable, or follow us on Twitter at Frights R&D Table, or uh, follow us on Instagram at Frights of the Round the Roundtable. Um, now, my guests tonight are two different filmmakers. Um, first one is uh, C. Courtney Joyner. How are you doing, Courtney? Oh,
2: just fine. This is very exciting. <laughs>
1: Thank you, uh, uh, and uh, uh, and uh, next we have uh, Victor Bonacore. How are you doing, Victor?
0: I'm doing pretty fine, man. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, v- Victor has been on my uh, Independent Corner radio show, and this one's a little bit different. So um, he hasn't been on this one. but it's, it's been a while since you've been on that one too. So it's great to have you back.
0: Yeah, man. Um, I think it was like I think I was living in Jersey. I remember being in my business yeah. apartment talking to you. That was a long time ago.
1: <laughs> it feels like it definitely. Um and, and this is uh Courtney's first time on uh any of my podcasts. So you are definitely uh, you know, an awesome guest to have. So Oh, thank um, you very
2: much. Well <laughs>
1: uh, Now uh, the also uh, first sitting first question. in an apartment. But... What was that?
2: I said yes, also sitting in an apartment, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah yeah <Well, laughs> um so this particular question is uh for Courtney first. um you've been in the business since the early eighties um what do you think has changed as far as the low budget independent film business goes
2: well the the big biggest change was when uh when we did, when I just got out of college and I worked with Jeff Burr and Darren Scott and all of us, we were actually roommates, and when we decided to try and make uh, that first movie with Vincent Price, uh, Whisper to a Scream, you know, independent horror movies had exploded because of Friday the 13th and Halloween and everything, and because of the VHS just clear. That was all, everybody, it was just raining money because there was so much need for product because of video stores. And that was brand new. That was the just lightning bolt of financing. So that was, we were very, very lucky because suddenly there were independent companies all over the place and everybody was either making low budget or mid-range movies. And so all of that unfortunately has changed because now it's all through streaming services and it's the rates that are paid for independent movies have changed. Now also too, the biggest change is we had to do everything. Everything was done on film. So the budgets and how much you could spend and how much you had to spend is entirely different now that, you know, essentially you can do things digitally. And my God, you see these fantastic movies and guys have done them on their phones. So that's been, it's been quite a – between the technology shift and where the money uh, was coming from, I mean, it's, it's literally everything has uh, basically been turned upside down, really. And things yeah, are done. A, for low budget movies are done a lot cheaper than they used to be.
1: Oh yeah. Um I remember seeing I guess it was on the um the was it the uh, uh documentary I was telling you that I saw you on uh, Shock Cinema. They were talking about how a low budget film back then was like a hundred thousand dollars to uh, you know, whatever and stuff like that. And um and nowadays it could be done for like five thousand. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> with with great quality yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so, you know that's a,
2: what a what a difference that is because you know we had to and you know the films that uh generally we were we were making were usually around a half a million dollars and up but even then you still we had you had to deal with laboratories you had to deal with huge sound mixing studios generally we had to go to sometimes you know the majors i had a low budget movie makes a 20th century fox. I mean that was just the norm of the way things were done and now all of that has changed. My god, if you have your Apple laptop and you I mean you can you can make a great movie uh for very little money.
1: Uh Victor, what's your uh opinion on the way that technology has kind of dwarfed uh independent filmmaking?
0: I mean, it's obviously changed, but I'm still um I still can't let it go. I can't let analog or film go. I still shoot on VHS, High 8, VHS-C, Super 8, 16mm. I mean, I do shoot uh, HD, digital when, the, you know, the time is right, but I prefer still shooting on older formats. Um, I just like the look better. Uh, I do agree that you can make something to look beautiful, You know, to sound beautiful for, like you said, about five five grand, you know, compared to shooting on film. You know, when you're shooting on – I shot a feature. I actually never finished it because I was shooting on 16, and I ran out of money. About seven, eight years ago, I started making this movie Blood Wings, and it was just – to buy, you know, 10 rolls of 16-millimeter film was like my salary for the year. And then you got – and then I would have to wait two years to get it out of the – you know, I would send it to the lab to get developed, and I'd have to, I literally waited like two years to pick it up from the lab to, you know, to save up and pick it up for, you know, from getting trans- developed, and then I had to pay to get it transferred, so it costs an arm and a leg, and but, um, I just think the result is, is beautiful, so, it, I mean, it's changed, uh, it's made it cheaper, and, uh, you know, easier, um, but, um, not necessarily better, I think. I think that if you could still, uh, you know, shoot on film or or whatever. I, to me, it's like it doesn't – I don't know. I, I can contradict myself because, you know, uh, you can shoot on a phone nowadays. I would never do that personally. But um, you could do it, and uh, that could be good for somebody. So it shouldn't matter what you're shooting on. I just prefer film and uh trying to keep that alive and uh i just like the look of things like that better i like the look of movies that were made in the 90s and shot on video uh movies and things that were shot on 16 millimeter so um i mean it's changed but um i'm still holding on <laughs> i'll never let go well
2: you know one one of the things when uh, I just actually did the commentary on a on a Blu-ray of of a movie I did for Full Moon a bunch of years ago called The Lurking Fear.
0: Oh, right and on.
2: The transfer was just gorgeous, and uh, Adolfo Bartoli was our DP, of course. We were, and uh, I've had so many folks come up to me over t- different times and go, you know, I just saw this movie that you did, or I saw Prison, or you know, whatever it was. Why does it look so good? Why? Is it? And I said, Well, it's 35 millimeter right <laughs> you know and that's that's the thing and I, and no and i agree totally it's I mean because you can do something doesn't always mean you should and the <laughs> thing is it's that difference i think the eye perceives it there is just a difference in depth in the way that i think we we visually comprehend the images and there's something with film whether it's it's layers or whatever you want to call it that I think it reads through when you're watching it and it's certainly you you can compare if you look at film and then you look at say something and, you know equitable budget and everything else you know, you don't want to uh, cheat yourself uh, done digitally and i i think the difference can be a little stark
1: mhm
0: you, you know yeah. i mean it's, it's by, the, by the way prison i remember uh renting that. i used to work at hollywood video back in the day and we Uh-oh. used to carry all the all the full moon stuff. <laughs> and you know, prison was one of those movies that was carried there, so right on. Um oh, I, I had to have my, I had to have throw in a little fanboy moment. But um <laughs> I mean I think that as even as far as digital's going, I mean people are shooting on four K cameras now and you know, it's I mean it's as H D as H D can get. It you can never I just don't think as Great as technology gets, you'll never be able to emulate film 100%. Like film will always be film, and um, I mean you can put whatever filters you want on it. I can I've seen movies and I'm like, man, that's fake Super 8. Nothing bothers me more than seeing fake Super 8, you know, and I'm like, that's fake. I mean, it's cool. I I see what they're doing, but I'm like, uh, you know, nothing will ever look like if you're shooting on film. It's gonna look different.
2: And, and, you know, it's nothing against anyone's technical ability or something, but I'm always fascinated when I see, you know, say, a behind-the-scenes shot of, say, something like The Adventures of Robin Hood and these gigantic, Mm -hmm. monstrous cameras that they used for technicolor Mm -hmm. that were as big as a boxcar,
0: (laughs) that they had to move the
2: things around. And remember, too, no reflex viewing through the lens. Everything was rack over. I mean, these guys mm-hmm. really had to know what they were doing in order to operate that equipment, which was just oh, yeah. absolutely astonishing. Yeah.
0: Every second you're rolling, it's it's money. So you want you got to know exactly what you need, what you want, and you got to know what you're doing. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I um, Don't, no. Film no, forever. Okay. <laughs> <Since> <laughs> we went, went off the rails are... a little
2: bit there, Jonathan. Yes.
1: I know. Uh, yeah, I know. Sorry, it's John. fine. It's good. That's. <laughs> No, but that's no. Don't be sorry at all. That's what I want. Um, but we do. We do. Got to move on to the next question, next topic. Um, I do want to ask, since you guys are both writers, um, what is your opinion on uh, how to stay original in a day that kind of is an age of remakes and and reboots more than anything else? How do you guys uh, stay original as writers, uh, Courtney?
2: Oh boy, I wish you hadn't asked me that question first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, most of the movies that um I've had made were uh uh either they were, they were assignments so it was a lot of sequels and a lot of uh things that were established you know either horror movie franchises or things for producers or or what have you um so but my own personal enthusiasms and everything else has always gone, period. So that's why I, now I, I, I've been you know, pretty imbued with, with writing Western novels and things like that. And I, that's what I kind of liked, went to, decided to do, is just turn back the clock and do my story set in the 1800s and the early 19th century and, and things like that. And uh, that's where I found you know, my own kind of uh, comfort zone Um, I would like to write something with somebody driving a car again. That would be kind of a nice change of pace. Uh, But it was – but as far as like the screenplays and things, uh, a lot of them, I mean, a great deal of them, in fact, were just – were jobs I was asked to write, and I just did the best job that I possibly could. Now, in a case of prison, real quickly, uh, the original concept for the movie uh, was – not, I mean, they wanted to, Erwin Yablons wanted to do a horror movie set in a penitentiary, but he had given this writer the idea of Halloween in Goes to Jail. Well, that's fine, except the guy wrote a story about a fellow with a knife in a prison. Well, that's not that unusual. So (laughs) I had to throw that away, and I said, no, let's do Poltergeist Goes to Jail, and kind of, we were going to do a horror movie irregardless, and so we went that direction, but being and Rennie and Harlan and I were both such fans of Don Siegel and and uh, Phil Carlson and filmmakers like that, so I just decide, we decided to try and go for that tone and that that attitude uh, about it. So that was kind of the way that we we interjected that into you know essentially kind of a standard you know horror movie uh, format.
0: Can I ask you qu- actually, Courtney? I have a Can I ask Courtney a quick question, Jonathan? Is that cool? Sure, sure. sure. Go ahead. Yeah, could, you you wrote Palad Master three right? Yes, I, I did. I read that mm-hmm. earlier. Now, without the, I, and I might be wrong, but without the Western, uh, not the west the World War Two one. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. All right. So I mean, that just made sense. And you're talking about period how you write, and that's one of the cool, the, the best mm-hmm. ones because it, you know, it take it just changed the setting, and it, oh, it thank was kind of very a period much. piece. So you know, that's interesting that you said that and. It's the World of War course. II one, so kind of a period piece in a way. You know? Yes,
2: it, no, it was. And uh, we shot it Universal and everything. Yeah, well, that was really neat.
1: So and that was, a great, that was definitely a great way to be original in a uh, franchise that was kind of, at that time, I'm sure, kind of lacking originality a little bit. Right. You know, they're needing something different. So, and, that's well, that really cool that kind of you are able my, to do that. My
2: mind just kind of goes that way anyway, so I guess I was I was lucky enough to be able to apply it.
1: <laughs> um, so uh, Victor, uh, what's your what's your response to that?
0: So like, what, your question was? Uh, how do you stay original writing? That was your question.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you when you write, how um, do you stay original?
0: I mean, I don't think I do. <laughs> like, I I think. I I I do take a lot. Like when I'm writing a script, I have a I and I think I have an original idea. That's where it comes from. I think I have an original idea, and then I think I go from there and I start thinking about movies I like and thinking about scenes I like from films and and you know. So I mean, I, like I you know like when I was writing Blood Wings, it was a total original idea. It was something I came up with. I thought it was great. It hadn't been done before it was a satanic cult, but they were the good guys. And it was kind of over the top and ridiculous, but it was definitely, I was definitely taking from people like, you know, like John Waters and like Andy Milligan. And I was thinking about those kind of styles. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say I was being super original. I think my idea was, but I think once I started writing and I was like, Oh man, what if the scene was like this from this movie? And, you know, and then like later on I'm writing the script and somebody showed me Cabaret and there's that scene in Cabaret where they're singing that song, uh, Tomorrow Belongs Tomorrow Belongs to Me and I'm like, man, I'm going to take that and put that in Blood Wings and make that scene. So, I mean, I got to admit, I definitely take from other films and take ideas and stuff like that. But I think the original idea is original. And when I'm writing dialogue, it's definitely original and it's you know, things that I would never say in real life, but uh, hey, I can get away with this in a movie, so, um, I'm gonna write this down now, so, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I'm contradicting myself or sounding like an idiot, but, uh, (laughs) I definitely, um, I don't know, I definitely take from a lot, you know, I'm definitely influenced by a lot, and, uh, I never wanna pretend that I'm not, you know.
2: Oh my God! But we all are, and in fact, you were very kind to mention Puppet Master Three. But the first, my first reaction, and it's, it goes exactly with what you're just saying. So we're both coming from the same place. Was oh my God, this can be the Alistair McLean of Puppet Master movies?
1: Nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Like you, it, <laughs> right, it starts from somewhere. Your brain goes somewhere for some reason. Like, like you said, your brain goes to period, you know. And and my brain goes somewhere else. I'm like, this is great. How can I make this real? And then you just I think by happenstance you start thinking about things you're influenced by and movies you're influenced by and, and stories and books and all that kind of stuff you know so
1: yeah definitely um now i, I want to ask um let's see um i do have a all right so do you have do you guys have any horror stories uh involving productions that you've been involved with uh Courtney?
2: Well, I think not anything too horrendous that uh was uh you know beyond what you normally experience on movies. Um, I would say when uh I mean Vincent Price was was terrific. That was great to work with him, but we were we were very young. We made, I think we uh made a few missteps just out of inexperience and we were dealing with a genuine movie star. But he was very kind to us and kind of corrected the ship, if you will, as we were as we going along. And there was uh, there was that that certainly wasn't a horror story. That was just us needed to be uh, you know some assistance, and uh, and he was there to do it. Um, But I've been overall, I've been uh, I think very very fortunate. Uh, I would say, and I just talked about this on the lurking fear. I was not. You know, I mean, people have always been very kind about that movie. I think a little too kind. I'm a little, <laughs> you know, still uh, whipping myself uh, for that one. But uh, that was definitely, that was a different kind of experience because as a second uh, film as a director, and there I was, uh, and I was shooting in Romania, and uh, my cousin was in the movie, and Jeff Combs, who was a great friend and all of this. But I had done a, a transfers movie with Tim Thomerson, who's one of my, dearest buddies, and suddenly I was making a movie with an actor who not only did I not know, I admired tremendously, but we never uh, connected, and he was my lead, and uh, that was difficult, because uh, I was trying to establish just a way of a real good kind of easy way of communication and what have you, and um, I never you know, engendered his respect, it was John Finch, and so, unfortunately, uh, you know, he was fine on set, and we made the movie. But I think that getting the relationship together between director and actor that uh, we should have had that uh, connection uh, never happened. And so, I've always felt uh, kind of badly about
1: that. Well, that's uh, that's interesting because I was going to ask you about Transcendence Three because you'd work you'd worked on that film, but. Um, from what I had heard uh yeah, were you like were you kind of asked to kind of um to do it or, or did you like kind of did you ask yourself ask, ask for yourself to to basically be a part of the, the direction like how did you get the part of directing it
2: well well, I had <clears throat> been away from uh Charlie for a while and i actually was was over at the office just by happenstance one day and uh, he asked me if I'd like to write some movies. And I had just done Class of 1999 and some other things. And he, uh, we started talking about it. And he said he would give me, he wanted me to do, he would give me a three-picture deal. And uh, the thing was that well, I would direct one of the movies. And I had talked to Charlie about directing before. And uh, <clears throat> but I didn't know what the move, what the project would be. Uh, I we started off doing Puppet Master, and then I did Doctor Mordred, and then Transfers came up. And uh, the thing was, I had done a movie before with Tim Thomerson, and Tim, we he and I discussed it, and uh, he really campaigned for me to do it. Uh, and uh, so I had just an unqualified support. Also, Albert Band was just the greatest guy, and uh, he was there as the producer. So if I really stuck my foot in it, you know, Albert was right there to take over if need be, and uh, he was so terrific. So it was a very very easy you know <laughs> step into the bathtub if you will they really you know let me uh uh have a very gradual uh very nice uh introduction to uh directing a movie and uh, that was very very kind and it worked out i think for charlie just because he was so busy with the company and he had so much on his plate that uh not having to you know direct one more movie that particular season i think was uh was a relief to him but You know, I ended up doing one of the signature uh, series for the company, which was lovely. I mean, it's still you know, it's full moon, it's transers, it's you know, it's not die hard, but you know, there you go. (laughs) But I was very happy to do it.
0: It's still yeah,
1: definitely. Um, uh, Victor, uh, do you have any horror stories involving some of the productions you've been in?
0: I mean, I think most of the horror stories come from just like. Running out of money and the time to make stuff, you know, like uh, the years that passed, <laughs> and like, you know, when I started making, you know, like I did that documentary. I like think when I first talked to you, Jonathan, like six, seven years ago, I was getting into the mindset of doing that documentary on Jim Van Bever, and you know, it's done and it's out now, and you know, it's six years of time, in your life, and just because it's you, you, it was just me doing it and funding it it's not really a horror story, but it's just, you know, those kind of things. Like when I was shooting Blood Wings, I never finished Blood Wings because I, and I intend to, and I actually have uh, had a recent person come into my life that wants to executive produce and finish it. But it's just when you're shooting on 16 millimeter and you know, you're funding it with your day job. And I was working at media blasters at the time and, You know, anytime I got a, you know, a big paycheck, I bought a bunch of, you know, two or three rolls of film and we'd shoot that weekend. And then, you know, and then you wouldn't shoot for a year and a half. (laughs) And I I mean, (laughs) so horror stories, I mean, shit always goes wrong on set, especially low budget. You got to learn to adapt. People don't show up and then people die. (laughs) You know, I've had people pass away that were in my movie. And you have to, you know, and then, you know, so that those are the horror stories that I've been associated with people moving on people losing 300 pounds that were in your movie. and They were playing a character that was an obese character and then they lose 400 pounds and you're like, oh, OK, well, I got to rewrite a little bit now. So to me, those are <laughs> the horror stories that never really had any like, uh, you know, like there's always arguments and stuff like that. But, you know, and and. um. Miscommunications, but you, you figure out a way to adapt. But to me, it was always just the waiting, and the uh, that was the hardest thing for me, and not having the money, and having to just wait and keep people interested. Like six years later, I'm, you know, I'm about to a bunch of people that haven't heard from me in six years are about to get some phone calls. You know, like hey, <laughs> hey, you remember that movie we made six years ago? You want to make you know, can you can you shoot for a day? <laughs> We might not be shooting on 16 anymore. It might be Super 8, but, you know, so, you know, that, those are the hardest. But it's all a learning experience, and it's all, uh, you know, i got to take it all um, in stride. I try not to look at it negatively, you know, and try to just keep moving forward with it. So there, there are stories, but they'll be on the commentary track. <laughs>
2: and by the way, that documentary is fantastic.
0: You saw it? Uh,
2: Let me tell you, I mean, I know Jim. Oh, really? And I knew you were doing this, and I got to tell you, man, this is, it's not just about, because it's not just about Jim and his crew. What I think is so cool about what you're doing and what you're accomplishing here is the idea of what independent movie making was on another part of the country. And, you know. Coming out of uh, you know from Ohio and all of these things, and where you make your mark, and you know the kind of the, the this ease into the business, and then you get kind of taken out and back and forth, and distribution problems, and all that, all those things that come, I, I think it's a I think it's a terif- it's a terrific thing. It's a and it's an important movie I think for filmmakers to see.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, first off, thank you. I think that was that's just threw me off uh, the track a little bit (laughs) like that kind (laughs) of took me back thank you Um, I'm always humbled by anything like that Uh, so that's awesome that you saw it. yeah I mean I think that that was definitely one of my goals with the doc was I mean it's about Jim Van Bever. it's about you know an outlaw filmmaker but what he represents is you know that is uh, independent filmmaking like Independent where it's not thrown around like you know what they, what people call independent today, and they got you know Paul Rudd in their movie it's that was independent- oh yeah show. yeah my
2: my independent yeah. movie it's sundance with uh yeah with with Michael Caine and Merrill Street right
0: oh. yeah <laughs> right, <laughs> with three academy <laughs> award winners and you know yeah, I know and, and and seventeen backers from Russia, you know, mm. yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly, but wow, thank you, I mean that means. That's awesome. That thank you for saying that.
1: <laughs> I, wow, it, it's, it's funny how in in, in the beginning, uh, Victor, you were, you know, talking about having seen, uh, you know, uh, Courtney's stuff, and everything back in the day, and now it's really cool that he was able to see your film, and everything, and actually, you know, be able to compliment you as well. So it's,
0: it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that means that means the world, and, and it's awesome. Wait, so. Courtney, you worked on Class in 1999?
2: Yeah, I well?
0: wrote it. Uh huh. Oh, well, I didn't know. That's, that's awesome. That 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 was another big movie in my childhood that I rented oh, every geez. weekend. And it was, because, <laughs> I mean, I saw that before I started class in 1984, oddly enough, because I, you know, I was just a kid renting movies, and I noticed the kid from Step by Step. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And I loved it, and we rented every weekend. And, uh,. You know, the, the main actor in that was in that show on TV. I think it was called Step by Step. Um, oh, uh, Bradley Oh, Bradshaw.
1: no, no, no. That was class of 1999, part two. I think, right? Oh, oh was uh,
2: with, uh, yeah, that was the substitute. That was, um, oh, okay. You want a horror story? Here's a horror story for
0: you. <laughs> oh, I fucked up. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: Well, I <laughs> I was there. okay.
2: I really I really needed a gig, and I was kind of scrounging around. And I went up for a job, uh, and I meet with this uh, exa- this story editor at TWE, and we're there, and we're talking. And uh, I think it was TWE, I believe. I can't remember. And anyway, she's like looking at me, and she's going, well, you know, you really don't have the qualifications for this particular assignment. And it was a late Friday afternoon, and, you know, it was kind of drizzly, so it was a you know lousy way to go up to this meeting. And I was like going, okay. That was the movie I was up for, a sequel to my own film. This girl is sitting in front of a one-sheet to my movie with my name coming out of her leg, and she's telling me I didn't have the right credits to do this, this film. (laughs)
0: But this this (laughs) franchise doesn't exist without me (laughs) So there you go, yeah Wow The the
2: Visa card ended up with some uh, drinks on it that night, I can tell you
1: Uh
2: (laughs) Yes, seriously, wow, well-deserved drinks Uh,
1: that night, Jesus (laughs)
2: Yes
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny, because I I actually like Class of 1999 1 better but I think I saw a Class in 1999 Part Two first. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's because I was a little older when it, you know, and so I was able to uh, actually like watch that from both both of them. You know, but well, uh, right. also, Dude, a, that,
2: that second movie was made for like zero money. It was, you know, Mark Lester was involved, and you know, no, no, none, none of they had just uh, uh, done a uh, <coughs> excuse me a purchase of the title. Uh, Right.
1: It had nothing to do with the first one. Uh, No. no. Um, And,
2: of course, we were a sequel to Class of
1: 1984. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, wow, and and it's kind of funny that it was, like, ten years later. So it wasn't like – it felt like ten years later you guys were expecting, like, the craziness to happen or something, you know? Like all of a sudden, there's robots like walking around, and I just thought that was hilarious. So well, unfortunately,
2: yeah. You look at the movie now, and you know, so much of what we were talking about has sadly come true. And um, uh, but you know, when we did that movie for Vestron, uh, and they were, you know, quite a an up and coming company. Of course, they had had Dirty Dancing, and that was their their big movie. Uh, but they had done a bunch of films that hadn't made a great deal of money, and they had invested very heavily in a movie called Farewell to the King, a John Milius movie starring Nick Nolte. Hmm. And uh, then they went into receivership right as we finished. So wow. our movie, which fortunately did get – I mean, we stayed theatrical. We went out through U.S.D., Um, But uh, there were a couple of movies that were right there that had just wrapped right as Vestron went under. And it was us and a movie called Blue Steel, that Catherine Bigelow directed, and another movie called Little Monsters. Oh, yeah, I remember Little Monsters. Yeah, then the three of us suddenly were three movies all in post, and we had no home.
0: Wow, oh wow!
2: that's ron was gone, so uh we were we were lucky we got we got through u f d and uh they gave us a rather wide uh, theatrical release and uh, yeah, it did okay
1: huh. um you
2: know, what, did they ever they never did a blu ray of that though no uh, i finally brought it out yeah on d v d but uh Mark has talked to me about that they were gonna do a Blu ray with us doing a commentary on it and uh no and I would love for that to happen because one of the uh uh producers, uh one of the Mark's original partner on the movie was a screenwriter named Stanley Mann, who uh of course wrote uh you know, he wrote Meteor, he wrote Eye of the Needle and I mean Stanley was big stuff and very, very kind to me and uh I really and he died this past year and I, I really would love to get on the commentary track and uh, talk about him because he was a great guy.
1: Oh wow! Oh. Uh, um, well, uh, we ran out of time live a little bit ago, um, but um, oh, and I didn't want to interrupt no. you guys. Uh, but it um, thirty minutes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it always happens that way. We should be out to
2: dinner. It's uh, just the
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: right. I, guess, yeah. I know I feel like I it's am filmed live like at a real round table like like eating I know. Uh, you uh, know, eating. I I and... am
1: doing a uh, new web series uh coming, you know, coming soon called uh Indie Corner Live uh or or Indie Corner TV and we're basically what I'm going to be doing is going around and you know, interviewing people at like conventions and other stuff and uh, eventually I want to actually get people together and do a roundtable thing, you know, for the show. Um, but, you know, getting everybody together is kind of hard, especially when, you know, people live in, you know, California or uh, Ohio or, or New Jersey or wherever you guys are, you know, wherever everybody's at. So it's tough. Um, but, you know, we'll, well, I'll eventually get it done, especially if I get money for it. I'll try to uh fly people out or, or you know, have it in a certain place where everybody's at. You know. Or I'm,
0: just go to a convention where a few people are at, you know, and set it up yep. that way, you know, where like you know a few people are gonna be and
1: Well I mean and you know yes, you and can that, pry I, I out agree that's the a bar. great yeah, <laughs> that's I never thought about that. It's actually an interesting idea, to have it behind a bar. Uh, you know, but, uh, (laughs) you might get some, uh, get some really good stories. (laughs) Maybe some I wouldn't be Uh able to share. (laughs) Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I know, I know on my, my first, you know, uh, foray into it is going to Tidewater Comic-Con and, uh, um, uh, Virginia beach. So I'm going to be down there. Uh, Ernie Hudson will be there. And uh, Sam Jones from Flash Gordon and a few other people. So I'm hoping to get some really good interviews I'm up for that. So we'll see how Indie Corner TV does uh, its first, first outing, I guess. Um, when I when is that going to that... be? What is that?
2: When is that going to be, the uh, Virginia Beach?
1: Oh, it is uh, – May twenty-first and twenty-second. It's like this. Oh, okay. It's literally I, almost. It's almost two weeks, or almost a, almost a week. Away.
2: almost a week. Boy, yeah. I think I'm just mess, missing. I'm. I'm uh, I have a house in Nag's Head, and I'm going there tomorrow. Cool.
1: So right, uh, oh, right wow. there. Cool.
2: Yeah, right there on the Outer Banks. So I'll just be missing you guys. Oh
1: man, if you I could think, if you could come out, that would be great.
0: <laughs> Are you out in <laughs> California, Courtney?
2: Yeah, I live in Sherman Oaks.
0: Oh No shit. I was just out there. Um, actually, I was literally, I stayed in Sherman Oaks for a few nights. Um, we just did the L.A. premiere of Diary of a Deadbeat out there at the Van Beverdock um, at the Silent Movie Theater. And I stayed with you some sure friends out in, yeah, Sherman Oaks, Van Nuys area. So, literally, like two weeks ago. It was crazy. I love it out there, man. It's a beautiful place. It really is. And uh, Sherman Oaks is great because you're like, you know, you're outside of L.A. You're like, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes. You're close enough, but you're outside it. and It's it's nice. I like it. It's cool. Uh, yeah, Courtney, and, you know, did you go, you, you go
1: that to that event? You
2: just drive over
0: to CBS. Hmm?
1: You didn't go to that event, that premiere?
2: Um, Actually, I didn't because uh, I'm in the Cine family and oh. uh, I, yep and i missed it like oh shoot because i wanted to see it uh see it big and it
1: would have been uh, really but, funny uh, if, if you had met, guys met each other before you did the show like that would have just been crazy <laughs> yeah would have been a weird weird thing yeah
0: well
1: this is um
2: well also too i would imagine the documentary i mean with all of, uh, is going to like be the precursor to really a whole brand new bunch of energy around Jim's movies, is it?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm finding, you know, a lot of people that are watching it are, uh it's what I wanted the doc to do there, you know, they're like, man, this is awesome. Like, you know, I, we, we got to get Jim to make a new movie. And, you know, that is one of the goals. I mean, uh, you know, to like bring more attention to him. And if it's you know, it's definitely if you're a fan of Jim, you're gonna like it. But if you're not, I, I definitely want it to be one of those things where like somebody sees it and it's like, man, this guy needs just just give him a million dollars, to want to make a movie.
1: <laughs> like
0: that's uh, you know obviously a goal where you know I'm rooting for the guy and I want people to root for the guy. You know where yeah. they somebody comes along and is like Here, here's a million dollars, make a movie, shut up, shoot it on sixteen, <laughs> you know. <laughs> do whatever you gotta do. And ha- have busy. you ever
2: seen uh, Demon Lover Diary? No. Oh my gosh. Okay, you know that is the movie. Uh, you know about the making of my Demon Lover, which was oh gosh, who was the he died a few years ago? With, who used to always walk around with a cane?
0: Wait, my to, Demon uh... Lover. Why does it sound so familiar? Um
2: Rollerblade Warriors. Who who is that director? Hell comes to Frogtown.
0: Oh my God. Oh God. Um, oh God! Wait, My Demon Lover was like with with Scott Valentine.
2: No, no, no. This is the movie that was done, uh, and I think they actually were shooting in Ohio. And the director, oh, well, think of his name here in a sec. Wait a minute, this is driving me crazy. And he had his buddy cut off his finger. Uh, and they claimed it was an industrial accident, so they would get workers' comp, and that's how they finished it.
0: Wow. What?
1: Yeah. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> yes,
2: and the documentary is just great. This is uh, – he was one of the old-school guys. What? Uh, and it was really kind of a
0: – He did he, – you said he did uh, How it Comes to Foxtown?
2: Yeah.
0: I'm going to go look at my box cover. I'm going to cheat. um <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking
1: on I yeah, and D Vorder.
2: Absolutely nuts. Don Jackson. Don Jackson. Oh, okay. Donald G. Don Jackson.
1: Jackson. Our, yep. Our, uh that's Yeah, cool. he
2: was he, he was wild, but they did this documentary and this thing was done years and years ago because in fact I'll look up the thing. My demon lover was done uh, in 1976. And wow. somebody shot this whole thing, this behind-the-scenes footage, whether they needed it for you know, <laughs> legal reasons or whatever. But it's just it's great. If you could see this, to see them making an indie movie in 76. And of course, and then they <laughs> ran out of money, and that was how they solved their budget problem. He got his buddy to chop off his finger.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah, interesting. That's uh, is, is this available, My Demon Lover? The, the there was, no, My I Demon Lover look, is the name of the documentary.
2: It, it's called The Demon Lover Diary. Okay, a, and I, you can get it on a bootleg. In fact, the only time I've ever like seen a good screening of it, Jim was there. It was a 16 nope. millimeter print, and we sat up at some buddies I forget where we were and we watched this thing on sixteen millimeter. Don Jackson was there and so was the
0: guy who had cut off his finger. <laughs>
2: huh. And uh, oh it was it was wild I'm stuff. writing it yeah, down was,
0: right now, man. I uh, this is I am searching Google after this and uh, hitting all my <laughs> friends that
1: uh, <laughs> like well, this hey guys, um I, I, I love this story, and I really wish that we could continue it, but unfortunately it's going to cut off on us in, like, three minutes. So oh, okay. uh, mean, before we, that we, happens, well, I don't, I wanna, I don't want to. I'm going to read
0: a Demon Lover Diary anyway, so. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much. Uh, Courtney, um, how can people reach you if they uh like to get in contact with you?
2: Oh, I've got uh... – you know, I've got an email on the uh, on the uh uh website on the yes the very original, ccourtneyjoiner.com. dot <laughs> com. And yeah, there's uh, my, right. my my email and all that junk right there.
1: All right, cool. Uh what about you, Victor?
0: Uh, I mean just Facebook, uh my name, Victor Bonacore. That's that's the best way to get me and uh um, I'm on Instagram as a uh, video and That's it. Basically. Yeah.
1: Alright. Awesome. Um do you guys have any upcoming projects you wanna promote real quick?
2: Well I have a new uh my second uh in my Western series shotgun comes out uh at the end of June. Shotgun The Bleeding Ground from uh Pinnacle Books.
0: So right there you go.
2: Little, uh, little little mass market paperback fun for the kids.
0: <laughs> right on. Great.
1: Uh, what about you, Victor?
0: Um, I just uh, directed the movie, co-directed the movie with my buddy Lewis uh, called The Woodsman. Uh, we shot it all on high eight in VHS camcorders. Um, we just used all our buddies who are you know, of course all our friends are actors and actresses. So <laughs> we just you know, we got Erin Brown in there and Haley Madison and all of our friends and uh we just that it's just a trashy little uh high eight movie. But kind of a kind of a tribute to all the uh nineties shot on video films and stuff like that. And uh and, you know, that that's that's the newest thing right now and uh I might be going into a documentary on Linnea Quigley next. That might be the next documentary.
2: Oh, and, cool. Uh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, right on. She's Whoa. been a friend for a long time, and we've been talking about it. I'm like, let's do it. She's all for it. so.
2: Oh, that's great. Well, interview uh-huh. me about Catherine James.
1: <laughs> for sure. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> <coughs> All right, well, we're going to, it's about to cut off. So thank you guys so much. Uh hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hey, thank, gonna... you, thank John, you, John. It was a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know we, We.
2: I thought we were off air by now. So, oh, my gosh.
1: Uh, <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. Have a great night. Okay. Uh, you Thanks. too.